Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, David. Hello, Ned. Long time. <laughs> Long time. It's been like... You know what? I was just yeah. thinking about this today. It was when uh, we said goodbye, Paris-Nice. Uh, yep. I've been locked down since then. It's, oh, yeah, because you just got back in, basically, didn't you, in time yeah. for... And I also think it's important, because I, I think it's always to contextualize these things, just how serious lockdown is here in Spain. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's full quarantine in the sense that you're, you're banned from doing sport. Uh, children haven't were allowed out for the first time since when I came back from Paris for one hour uh, three days ago. And yeah, I, mean, I see. I hadn't horrific. I hadn't realised that until I read about it that you know they talk about easing the restrictions in Spain, but basically from what I can understand, it's you're pretty much easing the restrictions to a point that we're at in the UK. So. You, you, yeah, your that, your lockdown was so much deeper. But again, to put that into perspective, that to where you are now in the UK is where we hope to be in eight weeks. Huh. So at the moment, no businesses are opening yet. Uh, they will start next week for private appointments. Supermarkets are open, but it's under, you get maybe, they have somebody in the door, you wear your gloves, everybody's in a mask. Uh, so literally now everybody is in a mask. Everybody wears gloves everywhere. You go into the supermarket with your gloves. They then give you hand gel to put on your gloves. There are screens up at the supermarket. There's at the petrol stations the same thing. You can't get into petrol stations. You do everything through the remote night uh, check. And then people will be standing five meters away from each other waiting. And yeah. it's only one person per car. And if you're stopped, you have to have a document that you show why you're out, what you've gone out for, or the receipt from that day, what you've gone out to purchase from a shop that's allowed to be open to do it. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's so hard for somebody in the UK to understand how serious it is over here. Mm. It's an absolute different ballpark. But yes, yeah, have, so um, have, you, have you found it, David? I mean, I'll be honest, I've really struggled, really struggled. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, the best word is surreal. I find it incredibly surreal. I, I don't, I'm not as, thankfully, not as touched. I mean, I know that that obviously uh, you have the fact that your wife uh, is, works in the medical industry who is kind of dealing with this front line, as, as we're using that term. Uh, Nicole's dad has had coronavirus, so he had it uh, a few weeks ago, and thank goodness he's one of the most fittest, healthiest people you know. But he had a fever for a week and uh, was in a pretty bad place and couldn't get any medical attention in the UK. So the end, which was terrifying. Um, 
and then came out of it and then had a relapse. And so, you know, you kind of when that's so we've actually known somebody super close to us who's had it. And it's of even he who's a robust. I mean, you know, Nigel, he's one of the most robust and glass half full people. He said it's incredibly scary because a week after having it had a relapse and he couldn't leave his bed because he couldn't breathe. And you're like, well, this is you don't want to encounter this. So I guess that's it's it's been a bit of a mixed bag for us, and the mixed bag for us as well is because we live uh, in the country in a in in a farmhouse. Essentially, we can get out and walk around locally and not see a soul. Um, and for but it's just it's just it's just super weird, and it's it's when you go out and as I said to go to get supplies, you suddenly realize it's like zombie apocalypse. It's yeah, kind of yeah, it's kind of it's heavy. So yeah, it's um, yeah. surreal. Have you taken a pair of clippers to your head? I have. I've only just sort of clocked it. <laughs> Nicole, and I'm going to do it again today. This is actually long. I took it down to almost nothing. So Nicole Whoa. and Harvey did this. And uh, yeah, and... But, I got but this is like David Miller. This is retro Miller, isn't it? When did you have this that crew cut? Like I'm thinking pre-races. off the top of my head, it's like 2000, 2001. Were you pretty? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to do it in my old days. Like when I was in my early 20s, before my big objectives, I go full militant and just shave my hair off. <laughs> like taxi like taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm in a full militant mode now. We're locked down. Shave the hair yeah. off. We don't need hair yeah, anymore. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I went and got that haircut that you've got on the day before lockdown in the UK, and it's grown back to this now. So I'm at that yeah. difficult in-between stage where I'm eyeing the clippers in the bathroom and <laughs> contemplating getting involved again. It. But there we go. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, let's, not, let's not bring people down. We're going to cheer people up, David. We're going to cheer people yeah. up. And I have devised, I've devised 10 fiendish questions uh, from multiple sources, but all relating to... Well, originally I was going to do the entire 2019 Tour de France as my kind of source material for you. Um, but then I realized that the copy of the speaker's book, that the only one that I can find. Do you remember last year? So this book, I'm holding it up to the Zoom camera that you're very oh, familiar fond with. Fond memories. Do you remember last year? They, 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 it was, they gave us two volumes of it, like the first half of the race and then the second half of the race arrived separately. Yes. I've lost the first half of the race one. So we begin on stage 11. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found I'd, I'd already set five questions and I hadn't even got to the end of stage 11 so I thought alright I'm going to narrow it down again I'm gonna, it's going to be stage 11 and stage 12 of the 2019 Tour de France and that alone but I've, I've, I've drawn on the speaker's book which has all the, the as you very well know the historical and touristic and you know often geographical information in it plus historical the other source material I've got is my you'll be familiar with this as well my little homemade notebooks where yeah. I, write, I write down all the salient points of each stage as we commentate and before we commentate. And occasionally I write down a little kind of like um, message to you as you're talking <laughs> or occasionally <laughs> I scribble something. Yeah. Or I scribble something that can't be heard over talk yeah. back. That is a complaint yeah. against us. someone. And like a ph- phonetic spelling of De Kernink. <laughs> exactly oh i'd forgotten about that and of course the other um the other source material that i have referred to again is this old thing ah uh, the bible which, uh, the almanac the bible which almanac. does, does yeah. fill in the gaps yeah. as well for me so are you ready so it's a mixture of 
it's it's a mixture of racy stuff and a bit of geo- geography and a bit of science and a bit of history and a bit more racing stuff. Okay. Have some notes. Okay. All right. Question number one, David Miller. Albie Cathedral. Can you picture it? Can you uh, in your head? You yeah. remember it? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. You can. Very distinctive. Yeah. Do you remember we had that amazing? In the evening, we found, I think you found it actually on TripAdvisor. We found that restaurant in a courtyard. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And the the band was playing. Oh, wasn't it brilliant? We had a beautiful evening there, um, just next to the cathedral. Uh, I didn't realise this at the time, or maybe I'd just forgotten. It's called the Saint-Cécile Cathedral. Um, This is a long preamble to really quite a simple question. But I thought you'd be interested to know, because I've just found out that Saint-Cécile, Saint Cecilia... It's the patron saint of musicians because ah. she was married off to a pagan nobleman called Valerian uh, as, uh, uh, as she was a very young virgin at the time. And she didn't want to marry. So she sat during the wedding service and sang from her heart to God instead. So she is the patron saint of musicians. Oh, that's very good. The cathedral, though, here we go. I'm moving towards the point of question mm-hmm. one. The cathedral took, unsurprisingly... 200 years to build yeah but david miller in which century did it start and in which century did it finish going to take a punt at 12th century starting i know why you might have said that yep um and then yeah it would be 15th century when it was uh, 14th century when it was completed it was made of bricks wasn't it? it was the first one to be made of bricks and that's where you've slipped up. You're basing, you're, you're, you're basing your 12th century thing on all yeah. the stone cathedrals yeah, of northern France. Yeah, so it France, can't be, can it? Of course it so can't be, because they, they weren't making bricks. So it's got to be a 14th century, 15th century, 13th century. 13th to 15th century, David. 13th century. There you go. Close. I, and it was done after you, the Cathar. Exactly, you know all about the Cathars, so in a way you've let yourself yeah. down badly there because you've done the hard work. Balance. You know, There's very little that you don't know about the Cathars, and so really you should have been... So I can't give you the point. Can't give you the point okay. for that. All right. Stage two. Carry on. Oh, sorry, stage yep. 11, question two. Stage 11 was uh, started in Albi and finished in Toulouse, and in fact, the day before it... We rode that. Had, we rode it. We had a great day, didn't uh, we? Uh, I, I still follow you. you know, I still... Me. Is I still follow on Instagram the um the motorbike random place we stopped at. Oh yeah, because cool. we, so cool <laughs> we were so thirsty. We were so thirsty. We rode into an industrial estate, just looking for somewhere that was open, <laughs> oh, yeah. begging them for water. Oh, I had God, to pretend to be so interested in motorbikes. Well, and all I was I was just staring at the tap, going, "Just turn it on, <laughs> more, and put it in my more mouth. water, ice." Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Days. Stage 11, uh, from Albi to Toulouse, uh, there was a sprint in Gaillac. Okay? Mm. I'm not going to ask you who won the intermediate sprint, but I'm going to ask you two questions for two separate points about Gaillac, one of which I'm damn sure you're going to be able to answer. Question number one, for one point, what is Gaillac famous for? Wine. Correct. Yeah. Correct. (laughs) Okay. Question number two, what is the name of the river which flows through Gaillac and I can I can I can think of the big bridge yeah. there I can picture it absolutely beautiful quite wide river dark green steep-sided <sighs> gorge ah uh, because it's that Toulouse river isn't it no 
It's not. I mean, it's near I have no to idea. this. I, but when I say it, you're going to kick yourself. Yeah. Four I don't letters. Know. Begins with T. Tan. Tan. Yeah, I'll give you that. You got <laughs> yes. two points there for question two. So you're back okay. in the game, David. Thank right. You. Now we're going to have this one's a bit more racy, okay? Question three. On stage 11 from Albi to Toulouse, there was a four man breakaway. Quite a few of the usual suspects, okay? Yeah. It featured two Cofidis riders. Ooh. One point, you've got four guesses, one point for naming each correct rider. So you can name four riders, and I'll give you one point for each correct one you've got. Uh, just that, that was a little bit of extra help there. Two of them were Cofidis. <laughs> I know it was extra help. <laughs> oh, man. This is like, but. I also dropped a huge hint in my preamble about usual suspects. I know, suspects. and the fact that it's just usual suspects, but <laughs> this is the thing. we've it, The moment the race is finished, it's really hard to remember. It's, it's hard so to remember hard. Po- like, to remember but I've always quite, actually, I've, I've, always quite, I've always quite admired your ability to... You've got very good memory, and mine is shot to pieces, and I need to write it down or put yeah. it in the database or in the roadbook, otherwise it's gone. Whereas you actually... You're always quite good when we're commentating... You know, when we get to stage 13, 14, you can kind of remember who won stage three, and I can't. So this is why, I'm, yeah, this but, is why I've got quite high hopes for you here. I know, but it's, that's normally because I can connect it. It's like kind of, but this is like a shot in the dark. Obviously, I'm going to know the moment you say it, but yeah. I'm completely in the dark. Well, okay. How bad Usual that? suspects, Tour de France, breakaway. Yeah, but even now, right now, I'm just kind of... Jens Vogt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't give you a bigger hint than that. No, I know. I mean, I know. I who, who gets um... in breakaways at the Tour de France and quite often wins? Often uh... at the Vuelta as well. Because he's really good at getting in breakaways. Who do we eulogise about? Uh, Thomas Every de Ghent. T- Thomas de Ghent is one of them. Thomas de Ghent, that's T- Lotto, done. Oh, no, okay, reluct- Thomas yeah. de Ghent. And then it was a... Uh... Okay, two coffee. Did Rosetto then, even what, what, do it? Correct. Boom. Rosetto. Stefan Rosetto. Two points. Um, okay. The, the, the next uh, two are quite tricky. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I'm glad. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to. They're both I'm local. They're both French and they're both local riders. And you're not going to get them. I'll tell you. Uh, Lillian Kalmjan. Oh, dude, that's so not, weird. Because he was in my head. I, he was in my head for some reason, just because. Because he's Lillian Kalmjan, right. lame dog. I'll give you a po- okay. I'll give you a point just because it was in your head. I shouldn't really, but I'm in a generous mood. Thanks, Lillian, Ned. Lillian Kalmjan, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think he comes from Albi. He certainly comes from that area. And the other <sighs> coffeeless rider lives in Toulouse, and I think he was the last man standing in the breakaway. Or certainly, he kind of wanted to be. That was a whole narrative of the day. Anyway, okay. Ant- uh, it was Anthony Perez. Anthony Perez. Can I just can I just jump back as well? Because one of the reasons yeah. Lillian Kamshan was in my head was because I saw on the old uh, Instagram or social something somewhere that he went out for a 10k head bagging run session today or yesterday and ran like 34.29 or something. Yeah. That's like, that's like a 320. I mean, obviously, he's a professional athlete. You should be able to do that. Still, it's not, it's not terrible, is it? No, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Yeah. I, so it's, it's, I, noticed, yeah. I noticed as well on social media today that Ivan Basso posted a long run but um, on Strava and it was all around Horse Guards Parade in Hyde Park. I thought, he's locked down in London. How did that even happen? What? 
Unless he's broken quarantine. Hit him up. Get him on. Quiz him. Yeah. Um, you get two points for that. Thank you. You've moved. Oh, no, I'm going to give you Kamjan as well. You're so going, I, you're moved on Kamjan, to five. You've moved Thank on you. to five. Um, question number four. Again, it relates to stage 11. <laughs> the stage finished in Toulouse, but we're back to geog- geography now, David. The stage finished in Toulouse on the Garonne River. Okay, that's the river in Toulouse. Yeah. Uh, the Garonne eventually forms the Gironde. And you know the Gironde River estuary flowing out yeah. Yeah, north of Bordeaux, Bordeaux. south of Bordeaux. <clears throat> um, but it, f- it flows into another famous river and... Those two rivers become the Gironde collectively. Ooh. So Ooh. the Garonne and the something become the Gironde. Jeez. Which, which river? And it's oh, a biggie. Very... It's a biggie. It's, it's not the Rhone. <laughs> Did you Rhone, just say the Rhone? The Rhone, Rhone, yeah. That's a totally other I mean, side of France. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> This is David Miller. <laughs> Uncutting straws. Who, yeah. This is David Miller who lived in France for years and years and years, raced around France 13 <laughs> times on the Tour de France. Unreal. <laughs> now, it it's, the unreal isn't it? it's the oh, Dordogne. It's the Dordogne. Oh, of course. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite tempted to deduct a point for the wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. Yeah. yeah, you're back to four. That was awful. Yeah. Awful. Um, question number five. Uh, now we're on to stage 12, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Question number five started in Toulouse, but before the flag dropped, it rolled through a district called Bagatelle. Oh, yeah. Why? Um, Isn't it the poorest um, suburb in France? Was that the reason? Or is that the highest unemployment? Yeah, 41% unemployment. Had the and highest unemployment uh, in France. Yeah, you've cu- you've and kind of got it. You've kind of got it. And um, a young girl, I can't remember her name. Actually, I've got it in my in my notebook. I'll look it up for you so yeah. we can get it right. Um, a, a young girl in 2009 called Aurélie, who was 11 years old at the time, wrote to Christian Prudhomme saying, "Why does the Tour de France never come to Bagatelle?" And 10 years later, it did. Huh. And I remember we were both slightly disappointed by the lack of people on the street. <laughs> it was like Bagatelle was in lockdown. <laughs> After all that, we gave it the big build-up and they weren't too bothered. Oh, no. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> uh, but that was very well done, David. You're back up yeah. to five. Thanks. Um, five questions down. You have five points. Uh, question number six. Stage 12 um, had an intermediate sprint in Bagnères de Luchon. And it finished in Bagnères de Bigorre. But which very famous Pyrenean climb lay in between Bagnères de Luchon and Bagnères de Bigorre? There were two climbs, actually. One almost unheard of and one very famous one. And it's uh, a very famous one. Perasord. Col de Perasord. Perasord. And then the one that I, I was... But you remember the terrible mistake. I no. tried to ride. I tried to ride to the hotel that day and hadn't looked properly. Oh, and yeah. I had to call back Gaza to come and get me because that that climb that's so unknown it was actually incredibly horribly hard and long. 
It, that's I'd totally forgotten that you were yeah. so cocky as well. You were so self confident. Yeah, I, I just because we over overtook the you in the car. And we went, yeah, I was like, you're right. Yeah, we, you were flying up the parasaur, giving it all that yeah, on the Brompton, weren't on, you? On the we, Brompton, we came past like, you and said, yeah, sure. You don't want rescuing, David? No, no. See you there. See you there. <laughs> Didn't Got take rescued. long before the, the old phone call. Yeah. It was called the final climb that killed you. Was called the um, Orquette Danzizon or something like that. Danzizon. Yeah, it was. Orquette Danzizon. It was nine point nine kilometers in length. Average gradient of 7.5%, and yeah. you didn't get up it. No, ha! it wasn't pretty. Excellent. Uh, Our hotel though, that night was lovely, though. Which one was that? It was in that little stone, that little village, and it was just that kind of that beautiful um, kind of ut, where it was all grey stone. It was in a tiny little village. Yeah. Zero recollection. Anyway, of it. it was good. Um, question number seven. At the end of stage 12, Julien Alaphilippe led the Tour de France by 1 minute and 21 seconds. Over whom? Who was in second place? It was still uh, uh, Thibaut Pinot. It was Thibaut Pinot, wasn't it? He was like two, he was like two minutes down or something. Uh, I, thought, I thought he was like coming back into the game. He was, uh, so he was, it was just about was, to start. So the next day, the next day so, was the time trial in Pope. So oh, the next day was time trial in Poe. Was G already up into second? Yeah, he was G four was seconds. Second. He was in second, four seconds better off than Egan Bernal. Egan, yeah, God, yeah, didn't do badly. That, G, really all that did detail. He? Oh, yeah, he did all right. He did okay. <laughs> yeah. but isn't it interesting all that detail that you forget? Like, cause yeah, that's yeah, quite it's... significant. You know, if you stop the Tour de France right there and imagine how it might end. It, Looks very different. I don't know. It? It's mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, question number seven. No, that was question number seven. Um, do I give you that? Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, seven points. Seven questions down. Question number Thanks, eight. Man, I, I love you as a quiz master. That's I mean, okay. there's charity, yes. but it's also it's also quite cruel as well because yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Question number eight. Um, on stage twelve, one Italian rider abandoned, and one Italian rider later complained that he had stomach problems. Which were those two Italian riders? And here's a clue. They both begin with the same letter. Mm. Um. Do you want another clue? Yeah. One is a climby GC type Ooh. and the other is a sprinter. Okay, so... And the sprinter uh, abandoned. <laughs> I'm not going to get it. I don't know. I don't... Oh, sorry, I'm letting myself down here. You're like revealing the truth. No, don't know, no it's Ned. tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. Go okay. on, go on. Give me one of them. Giacomo... I'll give you the first name. You give me the second name. Nitzolo. Giacomo. Um, Nitzolo. And then... Nitzolo. So then... And... Nitzolo. And then... Um, abandoned. Abandoned. And then... It and who said... One. Uh, who, which climby one went... Uh, uh, Nibali. See. Nibali. Importante. Nibali. Yeah, okay. Vincenzo Nibali. Two more questions remaining, David. And right. uh, we leave racing behind us now. Oh, nice. Question, uh, question number nine. Um, uh, uh, um, still on stage 12. 
Stage 12 featured amazing shots once again from the helicopter of the Pic de Bigorre research station. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll have three guesses. I want you to name three sciences that are researched or, si- or areas of scientific endeavour at the Pic de Bigorre research station. And there are about 12 to choose from. Can you name three? Well, cl- climatic has to be one of them, right? Weather. Yes. One point. Okay. One Meteorological. Point. Meteorology, uh, yeah. I'll give you that. Meteorology, yeah. Um, then I'd say uh, astronomy. Yes, I'll give you that. Yep. Very yeah, good. They've got to look at stars. They're up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'd go geology. Not much to really study up there. I can't. I can't yeah. really give you that. Well, interestingly, seismology is researched up there. Well, that's geology. It's a field of, of geology. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. It's, it's, it's actually amazing. It's measuring the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and also terrestrial magnetism, atmospheric mm. physics, uh, seismology, natural radioactivity, glaciology, cosmic rays, and to a lesser extent, artificial radioactivity, physiology. And medical research. Bloody and hell. And every year we see a shot of the Pic de Bigorre, don't we? There so was an astronaut on it last year, wasn't it? There was an astronaut. Well, it wasn't a real yeah. astronaut. It was a bloke dressed up in an yeah. astronaut fancy dress costume. 50th, 50th anniversary, but, wasn't it? Yeah. But don't be surprised if next time there's a helicopter shot, because they're often quite long, those helicopter shots. I read out that list of things that are researched there. Okay. <laughs> got to fill the time in, Ned. <laughs> three, you got three points and I've lost count of what you're on. Um, and finally... Uh, as I said, the stage finished in Bagnier de Bigorre, uh, where, can I just put a little advert out for anyone who's going to be travelling to the Pyrenees when lockdown is released, go and stay in the Maison Rose. Uh, oh, you Bagnier raved about this. Oh, yeah. it's just the best place. One of these days, David, we'll get the production to book us in there, because we're always yeah. going to that. It's just the loveliest place. Anyway, um, the 19th century realist uh, novelist, Gustave Flaubert, used to take the waters in the spa at the Bagnier de Bigorre. What was his most famous novel? Ooh. By a mile. Ooh. So I get any clues? The first is two words. The first word is Madame. Oh. Oh. And it's, it's the tale of a... It, uh, um, I can't remember where it's set. Somewhere up in northern France, somewhere like Rennes or somewhere like that in yeah. Brittany. And it's the tale of a, a young society woman who is married off to this merchant with loads of money, a bit older than her, who's just incredibly dull and she starts to sort of wither inside and gets stifled by his bourgeois uh, limitations. And so she has, she's a flighty piece. She has affairs and everything. Uh, Madame. Uh, you're so close. I can tell, I can tell how close you are. Well, I think it's can- one of those ones hmm? where I kind of, yeah, I don't know. Madame Calmjan, no. <laughs> Madame, no, no, I don't know. I don't have it this time. Madame oh. Bovary. Ah, Bovary. No, I, I know, but I wouldn't. That wasn't in my head, so I can't even claim to. But now, obviously, I know it, but I wouldn't have known it. Nice. <laughs> Damn you! And that's that. <laughs> At the end of that, <laughs> David, you've scored a certain amount of points out of a certain. I reckon I probably have got five. I reckon I got about half points. I reckon puts me in the field of mediocrity. Yeah. Which. Yeah. So you know, I'm 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 okay with that, considering I think it was quite hard. 
<laughs> I need to give one to you. I need to create a quiz for you. Mate, I quite enjoyed that. I think we should do another yeah. one, and I think you should turn the tables on me. Okay. Oh, totally. I'd be totally up for that. Brilliant. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's nice to speak to you again, David. You too, Ned. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. See ya. Speak to Bye. you soon. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 